So in, in, Acts, uh, in Acts 20, Paul is heading to Jerusalem, and he was up in, up in um, uh, Europe a couple places. Uh, and um, so he's passing back through Ephesus on his way back down to Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, he, he had developed a strong relationship with the folks at Ephesus. And, and uh, in fact, they were in tears as Paul said, you know, this is the last time that I'm going to see you. Uh, and so he, he's leaving them with some, uh, some information here um, uh, for uh, the leadership in, at, uh, at Ephesus. And here in verse uh, 28, uh, Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 28, it says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And so he's, he's telling, uh, really, because when he said feed, that word feed there means a shepherd or a pastor, um, the flock there. So he's really talking about the pastors of the church at Ephesus. So uh, apparently it was big enough that they had to have multiple pastors and bishops there uh, at the church at Ephesus. But the, the thing that really just prompted me uh, in this particular verse here was where he said to feed the church of God, which he talked about the Lord Jesus hath purchased with his own blood. Uh, <clears throat> and so he's he's encouraging the leadership of the church to remember that the people that you preach to have been purchased with a great price. And so they're valuable people. Right. And so he's reminding uh, the, the pastors that the people that we preach to are valuable, that they were uh, purchased at a great price, at a great cost by the blood of Jesus. Uh, and it's helpful for the for the pastors and all leadership to remember, you know, we're not just preaching to just people, you know, just, you know, people to show up. Uh, we're we're preaching to people that have been purchased at a great price. That means that they're uh, of extreme value. Uh, and so that means all of you all have extreme value in the eyes of the Lord. You know that that he didn't just purchase you, you know, at, at a discount rate, you know, at uh, uh, bartered, you know, well, I'll give you a nickel for them. Uh, he paid top dollar for you, right? I mean, not just top dollar, but beyond that, you know. Well, what's the price? Well, it's this price. Well, I'll double that. Uh, and that's what he did for you all, right? He did that. He said that uh, we're preaching to people that have been purchased with his own blood. Uh, and so that means that we should hold, uh, that all, all the leadership in the church should hold all the people in the church in high regard. That if the Lord counts them worthy of being purchased with his own blood, then we should count them worthy as well. Amen. And I do think a lot about that. I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's an honor to preach to anybody. It's an honor to give the word of God to people. And, and uh, the Lord thinks a lot of you all. Amen. Of course, I know he thinks a lot of me, too. But I uh, just was thinking about that at that verse and reading that verse there about how uh, that he's in, instructing the leadership to be careful in how uh, we treat the people that they're they're important. They're valuable and costly people. Amen. Uh, you know, if it's uh, uh, a really expensive piece of china you know you treat it one way uh which means you never use it right uh or if it's just you know a plastic plate you know you don't care you throw in a dishwasher you throw in a sink you know throw a pile all kinds of other stuff on it but if it's a really valuable piece of china you know you're always careful with it you know in fact uh, by law everybody's required when they get married to, to buy a bunch of china right we bought a bunch of china and then we never used it we finally sold it you know or something because uh it was just decoration right and so um if you want to have China, I don't care. You do whatever you want to, you know. Uh, but um, anyway, you all are valuable. Amen. And so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Thank you, 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 Father. Thank you
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Thank you, Father. It was finished. It was finished. Yes, Father. It is done. Yes, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Shiti he homoko shopaki. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I believe the Lord would say how he how he longs for his sheep, the sheep of his pasture, to to worship him, to humble themselves and ask for his help. How he longs for us to just look to him Thank for you. every need for every desire yes Father. for every help how he longs for us to do that so that he can bless us so that he can help us so that we can inherit his kingdom and Thank so you. that we can give him glory for the things that he's done for us thank you thank you Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy. Father, we thank you that as we get close to celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, we're reminded of all the great and wonderful things you've done for us. Father, we never want to take for granted the great price, the great effort that you put forth on our behalf, Father, that you spent centuries and thousands of years, Father, to work the plan to bring mankind back into your fold, to bring them back into a relationship with the Lord Jesus and, and the Father God. And, and Lord, even beyond those things, that you found a way to place the most precious Holy Spirit into our lives, 
into our spirits, Father, that we can carry him everywhere that we go and in all that we do and in all that we say, Father. Father, we're so thankful for the great price that you paid for all of that to happen. Father, we thank you so much. And we know, Father, that we are carriers of your power and carriers of your might. And Father, we wield the name of Jesus, Father, with great authority in the earth. Father, there are no devils that can stand in our path. No enemies, Father, that can overtake us. There's no circumstance or situation, Father, that's bigger than the name of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you. And we give you all the praise for these things, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good all the time. We appreciate his goodness and kindness. We thank him for all the wonderful things he's done for us. Amen. And, um, you know, outside of the church, uh, the world doesn't know a whole lot about Easter, right? They don't, they're not really familiar with Easter. Everybody knows about Christmas, and there's so many shows on, on Christmas. But, uh, you know, Easter is a lot more <clears throat> related to the church. Uh, and so, you know, it's a good opportunity to uh, witness to people. I've had people just come up and ask me, you know, what's the deal with Easter? We know about Christmas, but what's the deal with Easter? And so it's an opportunity to witness to people and let them know about the goodness of God and what he did because, you know, Christmas was the beginning of it. Easter was the ending of it. And um, we like the ending of it, you know. We're thankful for the beginning of it, but uh, we're glad that uh, the Lord Jesus did his work, completed the plan of redemption, got the uh, church established there in the book of Acts. And uh, so we're thankful for all of that. Amen. Uh, And, of course, you know, there there are a lot of people that will come to church, you know, only on Easter and Christmas twice a year. And, you know, we're okay with that. They get the word, right? So we'll let them have the word in them. And, um, and so it's, it's always an opportunity. We look for every advantage, every opportunity to invite people uh, to know the Lord, to get to, uh, to become aware of who he is, amen, and to accept the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And so um, we're looking forward to next week. It's just a good time to uh, remind ourselves all the wonderful things that he's done for us, amen. Uh, and so let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. We'll get started there today. We've been talking about the Beatitudes, you know, and there's nine Beatitudes here that uh, the Lord Jesus has told us about. Uh, and uh, he uses this as, a, an, as an entryway to um, preach what we call the Sermon on the Mount. So he came to this location and um, preached to no doubt thousands of people. And, and he spent a long time. And you think about, you know, this is probably just the highlights of his message you know three chapters worth if we just read the three chapters it'd take a while to just read the three chapters and um uh no telling how long he was there right you reckon anybody got mad you know because they were there too long in church well is he going to get out of 12 or what you know um uh, i doubt that they were mad you know when lord jesus was speaking to him uh, and so um but these these are really uh we can learn a lot from from uh, what the lord jesus uh, spent here at the, at the beginning of the sermon to instruct the church and to teach us. And of course, we understand that all of the Gospels are really transitionary books, right? They're transitioned from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So there are some things that are kind of, we, uh, we leave them back with the Old Testament. Some of the things he's teaching, especially here in, the, in this Sermon on the Mount, he's trying to help the church and the people of God to transition to what's going to be a new way of life in the new birth. Uh, and so you have to discern from the context, um, you know, is this something that he's leaving in the Old Testament? Is this something that he's bringing new into the New Testament? Uh, and so 
The Beatitudes work in both the Old Testament and New Testament, so they're pretty easy to figure out. But we finished up last week talking about being poor in spirit. And, you know, really poor in spirit is an attitude and it's primarily talking about the attitude we have prior to being born again, that we, need, we know that we need a Savior. We know that we need help in our lives. You know, part of the problem in the, in the world today, they think they can do it all on their own, right? And, of course, we, we looked at Job as a great example, right? Was Job a good man? Job was a good man, right? He says he was a righteous man. He was the greatest man in, in all the East. And yet uh, it took him 42 chapters to become poor in spirit. He thought he could do everything on his own. Uh, and, um, you know, Job's biggest problem was he was slow, right? You know, I mean, you know, if he had learned in chapter three that he needed to do that, he, Job could have been a, a really short book, right? It took him, of course, you know, uh, he did have three friends who were no help to him at all, right? And so uh, anytime you get three friends and no help, everything slows down, right? Uh, you ever had people to help and things get slower when they arrive? Well, that's the way these fr- three friends of Job were, right? Everything got slower, but eventually he figured out that, uh, you know, the Lord was telling him, look, if you can do all this stuff that I'm doing, then 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 you're all right. But you obviously know that you can't do that. And Job finally realized, you know, Lord, you created everything. I, I can't do anything. And that's really when you when you arrive at that point that the Lord is so big and you're so small. That's when you've arrived at being poor in spirit. And a lot of times we think I can do it. I can handle it. You know, I'm strong enough. I'm, I'm smart enough. I'm educated enough. I'm talented enough. Whatever it is, we think we can handle it on our own. Uh, and the Lord's just like, well, uh, maybe you can, maybe in that one instance you could. Why would you do that anyway? You know, it's always better with help, right? You ever, you ever worked and uh, done something and then uh, valuable help comes along? Now, I know sometimes you get unvaluable help uh, and that's not any help at all, right? I had a fellow work for me once. Um, he was actually in India and I was in the States and he worked for me for a year. And I, and I finally came to the conclusion, I'm better off if I didn't have anybody than if I had this guy. Now, when you get to that point, that's a bad place to get, right? When you realize if I fired this guy, I would still be better off without anybody. And so I ended up firing him, right? Because he was that bad, you know? And, and, uh, and, and the, the funny thing is, I don't know, funny, but the, uh, about a year later, he contacted me. He said, you know, I thought, I thought we were good. I thought you, you liked all the work that I did. And I mean, I would just I would just rail, I mean, I would just rake him over the coals. You know, you did this wrong and this wrong and this is wrong. And why'd you even do that? And I mean, I, and I, you know, I wasn't really unkind about it, but I was very frank about, you know, you're doing terrible work. Everything you touch breaks. Everything you do is terrible, you know. Uh, and, and, he, and he said, I thought we were good. And I'm like, what planet are you from, right? You, you ever known people like that? You know, you tell them, man, you're doing a terrible job. Well, that man, that's great. I'm glad you like it, you know. And it's like, no, I don't like it. And you're doing a terrible job. And so uh, some people, they just never get it, right? But uh, so sometimes it's worse having help than not having help, right? Uh, but sometimes we get an attitude of, I don't need anybody's help. Uh, and that's really a, not a poor in spirit attitude. A poor in spirit, Lord, I need, I need help to breathe. I need help to get out of, the, out of bed. I need your help. You know, sometimes we, uh, human help is not very helpful. But we have to be careful because sometimes we get uh, to an attitude where I don't need anybody and I don't want anybody in my life or helping me. Yeah, that's really not a poor in spirit attitude because the Lord has placed each of us, has given each of us talents and abilities. Uh, and we need to understand the, uh, the Lord talks about in over in the book of First Corinthians to discern the Lord's body. In other words, understand that we are the body of Christ and he's made all of us members in particular. Each of us have talents and abilities and capabilities that can help us become the people that we want to be. Uh, and if we forsake that and say, I'm doing it all my own, 
that's really not a poor in spirit attitude. That's an attitude of, Lord, I, I, I am nearly as good as you because I don't need anybody on the earth. Uh, and it's easy to get that way, right? Uh, life experiences can be difficult sometimes. Uh, but uh, uh, that doesn't mean that you have to accept everybody comes into your life. And, you know, I don't do that, of course. Uh, but being poor in spirit, you've you got to appreciate how small we are to the Lord compared to the Lord. That he really is capable of helping in any situation. And that I have nothing really to bring to bear in this circumstance other than just my faith in him. Uh, and when we get to that point, then we are really poor in spirit. And that's it took Job all of that time to realize, even though he's a good man, he did a lot of good things. He thought he could handle everything on his own. And finally, at the end of Job, he realized, you know, uh, I really can't do it. I need you, Lord. And then the Lord restored everything. He, and, he, and he actually repented. And, uh, and people say the Lord did all those things to Job. If the Lord really did all those things to Job, why was it necessary for Job to repent? He was the one had done wrong, not the Lord, right? The, the, the Lord had done nothing wrong. In fact, the Lord had, didn't do any of it. The, the devil did all those things to Job. Uh, and it took Job a, a while to figure that out. So it's, it, uh, it's a good attitude to have, Lord, I need you. I desperately need you to breathe, to get up in the, uh, every day, Amen. to do anything that I do. It doesn't matter what talents and abilities I have or what income I have or, or what my background is or my name or position or anything. It doesn't matter what I have in, in this life. I desperately need you, Lord. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, and he said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's really the born again experience. When you, when you know that you need a savior, you, you, you accept him as your savior and you, then you, you gain the kingdom of heaven. You become a child of God. Uh, and you could use that in other, in other applications, but I believe that's the entryway of our relationship with the Lord is being poor in spirit. And it's a good attitude to have all the days of your life, right? That, Lord, I need you. Uh, and we should never say, Lord, I can do this all on my own. Uh, it's just, that's just attitude, right? Uh, and uh, we all, uh, any of us ever had that attitude? You know, I'm, you know, I'll be the first to admit, Lord, I don't need anybody in this world, you know? And the Lord would be like, well, that's odd. That's, uh, I made everybody in the world, yeah, right? And so, uh, and so why would you say that, right? So we need to discern the Lord's body. Uh, and then he says in verse 4, and verse 4 is interesting because he says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And if you look at all the other, uh, other Beatitudes, they're all really things that we want to do, right? We want to be poor in spirit. We want to be meek. We want to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We want to be merciful, pure in heart, and, and those things. But to mourn, anybody want to mourn? Anybody looking to mourn? I know you get professional mourners, you know, they're crying all the time, you know. Yeah. Not, I'm not talking about people like that. Uh, but I'm talking about uh, just in your day, you want to mourn? You're looking to forward to mourn? Lord, I can't wait to mourn today. Now, nobody's ever doing this, right? And yet this is a beatitude. This is something that the Lord said that uh, you're blessed if they do that. Uh, and if you go and study, and I was studying, you know, spent hours going through and just looking at, well, Lord, you know, in, in the, all of the scriptures, why are people mourning? Why is there mourning going on in, in the earth? Uh, and you, you come to the conclusion that the only reason why there's mourning in the earth is because the earth is not completely lined up with the will of God. When, if we were perfectly lined up with the will of God, the entire earth, there would never be a need to mourn because right now there's death, right? And a lot of the mourning, and the, especially in the Old Testament, uh, is because somebody had died, right? And remember when Moses died, they mourned for him for 30 days. Uh, and, uh, you know, other people die and they don't, they don't, nobody even mourns for them. Uh, but uh, a lot of the mourning was due to uh, people dying. Well, you know, death is an enemy. The Bible calls it the last enemy. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of funerals, and uh, there's always mourning at funerals, and rightfully so, right? Because now there's a separation between us and our loved ones, and, and hopefully they're on their way to heaven. We're on our way to heaven. We will get to see them in heaven, 
And even if that's true, we won't see them for years, maybe decades, maybe, you know, lots and lots of years. Right. Uh, and so the, that separation causes us to mourn. Uh, and, and death was never part of the plan of God. Sometimes we mourn because of sickness, right? The people are, uh, Lord, uh, how many mothers have made the deal or tried to make the deal? Lord, put their sickness on me. Uh, and there's mourning because uh, of, of, the, uh, of the sickness of the child. Uh, and so, you know, mourning uh, is there because we, don't li- we live in a fallen world. Uh, and it doesn't matter how righteous you are. doesn't matter how perfectly you live in this life there will be mourning that will come to your life because somebody in your family will die. Somebody close to you will die. Uh, and, and, uh, uh, even, and there's even mourning that was prophesied about the coming of the Lord Jesus uh, over there in Zechariah. He, he said in uh, uh, chapter 12, verse 10, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his only son. Shall he shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in uh, bitterness for his firstborn. So, of course, when Jesus died, remember, there was bitterness, right? Uh, there was mourning. Uh, and, of course, we're, we're getting to the point of the resurrection uh, on Easter next week. And uh, between the, the time of his death and really the time of his cross, so it wasn't just a, a, when he actually died, but even when he's on the cross, people were mourning for Jesus. Uh, and then, of course, he died. And, and, you know, even though he told them a lot of things, they didn't really have the revelation of that. Well, he's coming back in three days. And he said he said those things, but they didn't really get it. You know, a, a lot of them, you know, he heard those words. And of course, we look at it and go, well, I can't believe that they didn't, they didn't know that. You know, well, that's easy from the cheap seats, right, where we're at. But on this side of the cross, oh, yeah, well, that should have been obvious. You know, it wasn't obvious to them. Uh, in fact, you know, I, I was thinking about uh, the uh, the disciples and how many times the disciples would speak for Jesus. And, you know, remember he would travel somewhere and somebody would cry out, Jesus, have mercy on me. And they would tell him, hush. I'm thinking, this is Jesus, right? Uh, You know, and uh, uh, why would you speak for Jesus? Did Jesus tell him him to hush? No. So why would you speak for him? And time and again, they would, uh, you remember when when Peter uh, there in in Mark 16, when right after Jesus said, uh, blessed are thou Simon Peter, right? Uh, uh, That... uh, uh, flesh and blood have not given this revelation, but my Father which is in heaven. Right? When he talked about the gates of hell not, should not prevail against the church. Because uh, uh, when he asked him, you know, who am I? And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And right after that, I mean, immediately after that, Jesus said, well, you know, I'm going to die and go to the cross. And Peter rebuked him, pulled him to the side and rebuked Jesus. Now, who does that, right? Uh, and, and it's taken me, a, you know, I asked him, Lord, why is that? And the conclusion I've come to is, they never really understood that he was actually God. You know, later on, John said, you know, in the beginning was word, the word, the word was with God and the word was God. John got the revelation eventually. But it, when they when Jesus was on the earth, I don't think they ever really got the revelation that he was actually God. They said he was the son of God, that he was the Messiah. But they just thought that was a person, a human being, you know, important, a very important person, but still a person, not God, not deity. Because who would do? Who would rebuke deity? Well, God, you're wrong. Uh, anybody brave enough to say that? You know, I mean, I'm sure stupid people have said that many times, but but no no sane person would say, well, God, you're just wrong. You know, well, I think they just they never really got that he was actually God. Uh, they just they just thought he was you know an important prophet, the Messiah, you know, a, a human being that's going to come and be a, a great champion for this the nation of Israel. 
So I, I just don't think that they got it in. And then, of course, then he died. Uh, and, and they're like, well, what just happened? You know, I, th- I, thought, I thought we were going to, you know, ride this right into the, 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 new, the new age, right? Where Israel becomes a great nation again. And then our, our, he's gone. And so they were in mourning. Uh, in fact, Peter backslid a couple of times, right? Even after Jesus was raised from the dead before uh, he got filled with the spirit. He said, well, I'm going to go back to my fishing job. Uh, and so uh, there was mourning uh, for Jesus. And of course, we, you know, we know mourning it means to grieve, right? And to, to lament and uh, we cry tears when we mourn. Uh, and, it, and it's real and grief is real. Amen. Mourning is real. Uh, and, and Jesus had Blessed, and of course, we talked about the word blessed is such a big word. It's all encompassing, right? Uh, and and it, it, it talks about uh, favor with God and favor in your relationships, favor in your marriage, favor uh, in, in your work. And it's just, it's just a big word. It's all encompassing word of the goodness of God on our behalf. Uh, and uh, there are other things, you know, we talked about mourning because of, uh, of death, mourning because of the Messiah was gone. Uh, one of the things that... Uh, uh, that we mourn about, uh, and this is several cases here, uh, because of sin. And again, if you go back to the reason why mourning is going to occur is because the world is not perfectly lined up with the will of God. And in any area where the world will not line up with the will of God, there will be mourning. Uh, and of course, death is one of the greatest examples of why we're not lined up yet with the perfect will of God. At some point, death will be gone. But between now and then, it will have to deal with it. But also... Just sin, you know, just when people miss the mark. Uh, and he talked about uh, over in the book of uh, Ezra, uh, he said in chapter 10, verse 6, Then Ezra rode up, rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of uh, Johanan, the son of Elishib. And when he came thither, he did eat no bread nor drink water, for he mourned because of the transgression of them that had been carried away. Uh, and, uh, and even in the New Testament, you remember over there in the book of Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, where it's talking about the man that, that was sleeping with his stepmother, right? Which is really weird. Uh, uh, and he said, and Paul's writing to the church. They hadn't done anything about it. Everybody knew what was going on, that he's sleeping with, with, his, uh, uh, with his stepmother. Nobody was doing anything about it. Uh, well, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And, and Paul said of the, the Corinthians, he said, you are puffed up and have not rather... Uh, and have not rather mourned that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. Uh, you know, any time that sin gets into a church, it should grieve our hearts, yeah. right? We should, be, we should mourn in the church when sin... Uh, now, you know, there's a balance to everything, right? Well, I'm talking about this sin here is open sin, and they're, they're flaunting the sin. Look at me, you know, we're cool and hip. Well, we have, you know, I'm sleeping with my stepmother. Who are you sleeping with, right? Well, I'm sleeping with a dog and cat. Well, that's pretty close, but that's not, you know... Uh, I mean, you know, it's like a competition about who can sin the most. And you know, even today in many churches, sin is not mourned. Sin is just, you know, it's, oh, yeah, we're cool. Look at us. We're, we're on the cutting edge. Yeah, the cutting edge of something. But, uh, you know, it's not cutting edge of the Lord. Uh, and, and I know, you know, historically the church has either gotten way over here where we just beat people nearly to death for every little thing they do, right? Uh, uh, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about um, where it's open. And it's such a, 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 a front against God, mm-hmm. you know, where there are churches who celebrate homosexuality. Uh, well, look at us. We're cool and hip. You know, we do. We love. We love. We are a loving church. 
Uh, and, and Paul would say today for those same churches, he said, you, you should mourn. You should be in mourning because that sin is going on. That doesn't mean that, you know, uh, it wouldn't, wouldn't bother me a bit if sinners walked in here and took a seat and, and didn't interrupt the service. And it wouldn't bother me a bit, you know, preach the gospel to them, right? I'm not going to celebrate their sin. I'm not going to approve of their sin. Uh, but I'm not necessarily even going to beat them up because of their sin if they're here. I'm going to preach the goodness to them. Amen. The problem is when the church celebrates sin. And when this church allows it to go on and when it's open and public uh, and, and not, uh, not do anything about it. You know, uh, uh, we don't need to have a show of hands, but you reckon there's any uh, sins that we're committing today that nobody else knows about in this church right now? Probably, you know, we don't have a list. You know, if you want me to get a list, I can ask the Lord to give me a list of all your sins. Uh, but, you know, those are things that hopefully uh, the, uh, the New Testament says work out your own salvation. You're working those out. And you should be working them out, right? You shouldn't be, well, that's just the way that I am. That's the worst thing you could ever say as a, as a human being, right? Uh, you should always know that until you breathe your last breath, change is going to have to happen, amen? The person that you are today should not, not be the person you are a year from now, amen? Uh, and so uh, when sin gets into the church, there's mourning. It, it grieves God. It, grieves, it should grieve our hearts, amen, when that goes on, when we flaunt that. Uh, and, and um, you know, I've been in churches where, I remember we were at one church up in uh, West Tennessee uh, and they got up and did praise and worship. And this lady had this tambourine. And, you know, I love the tambourine. And we knew a lady that uh, we went to church with. Man, she could play the tambourine. I mean, you just think, you know, the Lord Jesus was playing this tambourine. I mean, how could somebody play a tambourine? I mean, it's a tambourine, right? But she was anointed to play this tambourine. And, and, um, and you think, well, how anointed were you? You'd have to hear it, right? I mean, you'd be really impressed with this lady. Well, this other lady, though, She's playing a tambourine like she was in a bar or something and just dancing. And, 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 you know, I'm on the front row with my pastor and, you know, we're kind of doing this right here. It's like, well, we can't look at this. You know, this is I mean, you know, there, there, there's dancing and then there's dancing. Right. You know, the, the, you know, dancing the Holy Ghost is fine. But dancing, you know, like it's it's midnight on Saturday night, you know, at the who's ever bar and grill. It doesn't belong in the church. Right. Uh, and and, um, you know, it just grieved my heart because I'm thinking, does anybody else see this? You know, I mean, I'm on the front road. Is, is nobody seeing this but me? Uh, and I, and you know, because you could not look. I mean, it's like it's just like a car accident. You know, it's like how can you not? Uh, not that we were staring at her, but uh, you know, I mean, you kind of started counting counting ceiling tiles. Well, that's a ceiling. I was looking at all those nice ceiling tiles there. You know? And, and um, uh, fortunately, though, the church you know, she didn't show back up on stage for the rest of those meetings. There, you know, we don't know what happened to her, but you know, she wasn't there anymore. So. Uh, but, um, you know, and things like that happen, right? Sometimes, you know, somebody just gets carried away and, you know, there's grace and mercy in those situations, you know? And so, um, you know, the church has to be careful about just not beating people up to the edge of death, you know, and just, uh, because how's it going to help them? We're supposed to restore people in a spirit of meekness, right? In fact, we're going to get into meekness later on. Uh, but when, when sin is allowed to stay in a church and it's celebrated, that's when mourning should happen, Right. When we start bringing the world into the church uh, and it grieves the heart of God, it should grieve our hearts. We should mourn when those things happen, you know, and, and today we really don't, you know, as a, as a whole, you know, I think plenty of churches do. And I think this church does, too. You know, of course, we don't allow those things to happen for the most part. But when sin is celebrated in a church and, and almost like, look at us, you know, we're cool and on the uh, we're hip and uh, we're on the cutting edge. Uh, that's what Jesus told that we should be mourning for those things. Right. Uh, and uh, and even James, you know, James uh, it's pretty tough. If we go to James chapter 4, he says, starting in verse 7, 
He says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And, of course, that's a good verse, right? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, uh, my pastor loved this verse right here. And he got up one day and was preaching this verse. And he said, the Bible does not say resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And that's all he said, right? And, of course, you know, all the Bible scholars in the church, you know, took a big breath. of like, oh, well, of course it says that. What do you mean it doesn't say that? Of course it says that, right? He said, the Bible does not say resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And, and of course, he, he was always one to just get people right to the edge, right, uh, before, before they jumped off. Uh, and, and he said that about three times. And finally, some fellow in the back, you know, about where Jerry's sitting back there, right? We're going to pick up Jerry. He stood up and, and said, well, I reckon it does. Because <laughs> it says right there. We just read it right there in verse 7, right? And, of course, my pastor, he, you know, he wasn't actually trying to provoke that fellow there in particular. Uh, but uh, he was trying to provoke us to think, right? Uh, because it, it does say that, but the context of it doesn't say just that, right? He was pulling that out of context because the whole context says, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So, so the point of the message was there's no resisting the devil without submission to God. Amen. And, and so, you know, that was the whole point of it. It was, it was, uh, it was a good, uh, uh, it was a good study to see how much self-control you had, right? Because all the Bible scholars love to correct you, right? Uh, and so I had, I was talking about the, in Genesis 18 with the story with Abraham, you know, when he was negotiating with the Lord about uh, not destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. And I was going through how many different, you know, well, if it's 45, you know, don't do it, you know, and it went all the way down uh, to 10 or so. And, uh, and a fellow came up to me after church. Well, you know, it's five, right? Or whatever the number was. And, you know, and even right now, you know, I'd have to go back and look at it, what the number was, because it doesn't really matter what the number was. It was a number, right? But he, he felt that it was important enough to come back and correct me that it was really five, you know. Uh, and so, uh, but he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, is that true? It is true, right? If you resist the devil, he'll flee. So why is the devil hanging around? Well, there's not any resisting. Sometimes we kind of like the devil. You know, we coddle up the devil. And, and um, you know, if, you, if, if you're looking around, the devil's always around with you. Might want to check up on how much you're actually resisting the devil, you know. Because sometimes we like to let it use you, right? Just let it use me. And we fly off the handle. You ever flown off the handle? You know, we don't, uh, that, that's a colloquial term, right? It, it's, but we all know what it means, right? Oh, yeah. uh, they flew off the handle. Uh, and um, I guess that's talking about an, like an axe head or something. You ever had an axe head fly off the handle? You everybody should duck, right? Uh, and so uh, resist the devil and he will flee. That word flee means to run from as in terror. You know, the devil is really afraid of the church. It's not that he just, you know, uh, the church is no, no concern to him. Any person of faith, the devil is terrified of. Amen. He, and that's why he tries to destroy churches of faith because uh, they are the biggest threat to him. A, a, either a backslidden Christian or a cold Christian or a Christian who attends the first church of doubt and unbelief, they're no threat to the devil at all. Right? They're, they're, he's not concerned about them. In fact, he, he loves people like that because uh, they'll, they'll coddle up with him and they'll celebrate sin and no big deal to him. But people that resist the devil, he will flee as in terror from you. Amen. Uh, and he said, draw nigh to God. Well, that's really good, one good way to resist the devil. The more that you are close to the Lord, the less you want to be around sin. Amen. And it's not that we're better than other people. It's not that we're, you know, think we're self-righteous. And, uh, you know, did Jesus hang around sinners all the time? Did the sin bother him? Never once. Uh, 
you, you know, we can we can hang around sinners in a sense of desiring to help them and show them the way to the Lord and it not affect us. You've got to find out in your own heart where that can happen, because some people, uh, you know, I, I did jail ministry for many years. And I would tell the folks, look, when you get out of jail, first thing you do, you burn all your friends. You get rid of all your friends. You don't have any friends. Because all those friends got you in jail to begin with. Hey, let's go do this, right? Let's go get some drugs. Let's go do this. You know, a lot of drug, a lot of drug use in prison and jail. And um, uh, a lot of, hey, let's go try that. Mm-hmm. You get rid of them all. Mm-hmm. They're not your friends. They're not helping you, right? right? They're not trying to get you to where you need to be. And, and uh, they rarely ever did that. Oh, but I want to have a friend. Well, they're not your friend. If they're trying to get you to go do something illegal, that's not your friend, right? right. You draw nigh to God and he'll show you the yeah. friends that you can have, right? Yeah. Uh, he said, if you draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. So it's a two way street, right? There's always a God's side. There's always a man's side. Uh, and the Lord oftentimes is waiting to respond to us. It's not that uh, that that we're waiting on him. It's he's waiting on us. Draw nigh to him and he will draw nigh to you. And then, then he um, uh, he he's just uh, he's kind of hammering it down here in James. He said, cleanse your hands, you sinners and purify your hearts, you double minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of, God, of the Lord and he shall lift you up. And so the, the whole context of James here is, is our relationship with sin. Uh, and uh, he's saying, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Uh, uh, and we will talk about uh, pure in heart here uh, as one of the Beatitudes, actually. Uh, but one of the things James is trying to encourage us is, we should have a terrible relationship with sin. Mm. Our relationship with sin should be rare and, uh, and mournful uh, and far from our, our normal lives. Uh, it should not be a normal part of our life to sin. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, people act like, well, nobody can live that way. Mm. It should be okay that, you know, well, you know, sometimes you just, you know, uh, I, I can't tell you how many ministers even just, well, you know, uh, uh, Sometimes you just got to cuss, right? Uh, in fact, we were listening to we, we listened to a story from uh, Brother Hagen that uh, this morning that uh, he was at a at like a little diner eating eating lunch, uh, and the diner the lady at the diner was like a Methodist or something like that, or like a Methodist lady, and just 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 you know telling testimony to Brother Hagen about how you know she said two or three people every day I get born again here I witness to them I talk to them you know I pray for them and they get saved every day. Uh, and that's a great testimony, right? Uh, and, and, um, uh, and, and, and but she goes to a Methodist church, right? Uh, she, and she said, I got filled with the spirit. I speak with other tongues, you know. Uh, and, and, and this nosy, busybody uh, Pentecostal preacher came over there uh, and sat down. And said, I don't believe a word of it. <laughs> Why not? Well, there's no way you could do that. Number one, you're a woman, right? Which, of course, you know, means she's completely unqualified to preach the gospel, apparently. Uh, and, uh, you know, she, she uh, and what, she have a necklace on, right? Oh, yeah, and makeup on. Uh, no, no way God could bless you if you got makeup on, right? And, and Brother Hagin, you know, you need to preach against makeup. Uh, and he said, why would I preach against something that helps, you know? Uh, and so, uh, 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 and, uh, and, you know, he just, he just beat this woman down. And besides that, you're a woman, you know? Uh, just beat this woman down till she was crying in her own business. It's her business, right? Uh, and this, uh, 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 this, this man just beating her up. And finally he said, uh, uh, I forget how exactly how he said it. He said, I don't, I don't give a damn. And he left. Uh, and he said those words. He's a minister, right? 
Uh, and, and you think, wow, you know, how easy it for us is for us to sound like the world if we're not careful, right? Well, there's nothing wrong with cussing. Well, use those words when you pray. Use those words when you lift up your hand, right? People say, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, we've been married for 32 years. How many cuss words have you heard me say? Zero, right? Uh, and, uh, and I've had people come up to me, look at me like, nobody can live that way. You can't just not cuss. Well, yeah, you can just not cuss. You know, and, and I tell them, you know why I don't cuss? They look at me like, why? You know, I said, because it's not in me. The reason why you cuss is it's in you, right? And if you get it out of you, yeah. uh, uh, Paul said, put off the old man. He didn't say keep him in your back pocket when you need him, right? Oh, yeah. He said, put him off, right? You know, get rid of him. And he said, then put on the new man. So if you put off the old man, you know, there's no cussing in you. You know, I, 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 and, you know, Brother Hagin said, and I'm the same way. He said, I can't say dang or shoot or, or darn or, you know. You, you ever hear me saying those words like that? I never say dang, you know. I mean, even just saying that. I mean, it's, it's just wrong. You know why? Well, you're just substituting the actual word, you know, for another word. But, uh, but in your heart, that's what you want to say. But you're too polite to say the actual word, you know. So you just, uh, and so... I can't say dag, dag, uh, nabbit, you know, whatever. I mean, uh, I just, you know, I mean, if, if I if I stub my toe, I'll just say ow, you know, uh, and uh, and I know it sounds funny, but it's just not in me. I, I can't I can't do that. Uh, I can't say those words. I can't allow my flesh to run my life. I, I don't want my flesh to run my life. You want your flesh to run your life, then then you're not. See, the thing is, the more you draw near to God, the more you're like him. Yeah. And, and, and has the Lord ever said those words like there? You know, I'm God, I, you know. <laughs> now, I, I mean, I, I grew up, I heard a lot of cussing growing up. I mean, you know, we could never keep any wallpaper in a wall because it all get cussed off the wall all the time. I mean, there was so much cussing, you know, in Lord's name in vain. I mean, everything, right? Uh, and and uh, every four letter word and a few six letter words. And I mean, all kinds of words, you know, that, uh, that uh, are not... Uh, are not acceptable even in polite society, but um, uh, uh, I, I don't do it though. I'm going to stay close to God, Amen. And and I don't not cuss because I'm trying to be spiritual or I'm trying to be righteous. I don't cuss because it's not in me. It's just right. that's not in in me. I've put that old man off, Amen. Uh, and people look at you like, well, nobody can live that way. Yeah. And I've had Christians come to me and, and act to me like, like, well, you know, sometimes you just can't help it. And, and what are they doing? They're trying to excuse their sin, right? They're trying to say, they're trying to remove the guilt of that sin by saying, it's not my fault. Uh, and, you know, of course, anytime I hear that, all I hear is blah, 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 blah. Because anytime I hear somebody trying to excuse the opportunity to sin, well, you know, they just may be mad. I couldn't help it. Well, number one, that's not true. Nobody makes you mad, right? Uh, and number two, you can always help it. Uh, because otherwise there's no guilt of sin at all, right? It, it, then that means that, that, well, Lord, I couldn't, I couldn't help sinning all my life. And the Lord's like, that's not true. Is that a true statement? That you, I mean, don't you have the greater one in you? Don't you have the word of God in you? Uh, don't you go to the best church in the whole world, right? I mean, and so, um, you know, I'll be facetious about that one. But uh, so uh, James was pretty, pretty uh, tough on him, right? Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. You know, uh, the, the thing we should do uh, when we realize that we've been in sin, that's the point of James's discussion here. When we realize, Lord, I've missed the mark. 
that, then that should just cause mourning to rise up in our hearts. Lord, I just, the grief and the anguish of realizing how much I've, I've uh, not lived up to your word should overwhelm our hearts sometimes. Uh, and, and if it does, that's a good thing because that would lead us to, uh, to repentance, right? Because uh, the Bible in, in Romans says the, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Uh, and he will lead us in that path of showing us, because that's part of the revelation, the value of the revelation of the Holy Spirit in us, when he reveals to us what you're doing is so far from who God wants you to be. When we see that, morning will rise up. Lord, I, I have got to change. I have got to not be this person. I've got to be the person that you want me to be. Uh, and, and that's why Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, because he will help you get there. When you see how far from that, uh, instead of being depressed and, and beating yourself up, I'm sorry, no count, that's not the point of, of the revelation of God. The point of the revelation of God is for you, for you to see how far you are from the Lord and, and, and motivate you to move in that direction, to, to draw nigh to God. Because when you see that you've messed up and you see that you've made a mistake and you've, that you've sinned, that you've hurt somebody, that you intentionally caused conflict or, or harm to somebody else, or even to yourself or to the, to the Lord. You know, sometimes we do things and it only grieves the Holy Spirit. Nobody else in the world is grieved. Uh, and when we do that, the revelation of the Spirit of God will come to us and show us that. And, and, and mornings, you just, I, I can't tell you something. Sometimes the Lord has showed me things in my life. Little things that nobody in the world would care about. But he'll show it to you and, and, and it'll cause your heart to break so much. You realize, Lord, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that thing. I can't believe that I thought that about you. Uh, and almost to the point where your knees will buckle, where the Lord just, in the weight of that revelation of how far you are, it doesn't cause me to, to be depressed or to, to, uh, to just say bad things about me, but to mourn that, Lord, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to do that again. Uh, and that'll drive us to repentance and drive us closer to God. That's the, that's the way it should work, is whenever our sin is revealed, to us by the Spirit of God, it should drive us closer to God. A lot of times when people's sin is revealed, oh, fine, I'm just going to keep it, you know. And that's the worst attitude because uh, when the Lord, by his kindness, reveals our sin to us, if we harden our hearts uh, and say, that's just the way that I am, that'll drive us away from the Lord. How many people in a church, uh, the Lord will reveal to them, nobody else knows, but they're sitting in a church service somewhere and some scripture or some Something the, the pastor says causes uh, that awareness of that sin. Uh, and instead of, instead of allowing that sin to cause us to mourn in, in how we've missed the Lord and drive us closer to God, we will harden our hearts oftentimes and say, well, that's just the way that I am. Uh, and, and when we do that, the Bible talks about our conscience being seared, that uh, the Lord's ability to speak to you then is, is diminished because of the hardness of your heart. Now, now, we can change, right? We can always repent. That's not the wonderful thing about the Lord is you can change and repent. But how long will it take to get through that? How long will it take for that scar tissue to, to dissolve back into the a heart of flesh like it's supposed to be and to hear God uh, clearly and correctly? Uh, and when we get into pure in heart, that I think we'll see some of those things. Amen. Uh, and so uh, the, uh, there's oftentimes mourning when people see that God's will is not being done. Uh, in Proverbs, it says in 29, verse 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Uh, and uh, so there's times when we see 
you know, just the whole, the whole world or the, even the, the church that is going in the wrong direction. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, years ago when I was with my pastor, um, uh, you know, the, the church was wonderful. We loved, they had such great moves of God uh, and great, great praise and worship and just wonderful people that lived there. But there had gotten an attitude in the church as a whole that we were special, that we were more special than every other church in the whole world, which is hard to, because how would you know? Have you been to the one in Kansas? Have you been to the one in Florida? I mean, you don't know, right? So, uh, the, so that's why we never say around here, we're the best church in the world. How would we know? We'd have to compare every other church, right? Uh, and so it's foolishness. But, uh, but we'd kind of got that attitude that we were more spiritual than other people. Uh, and that, and, and if you left our flock, you know, uh, hex on you. Uh, you ever seen churches like that? They leave, you, you leave the church and, and, and they don't even talk to you in public, right? You, you see them at Walmart and they're just like, like, you know, we're all going to heaven, right? I mean, you know, just because you don't go to the same building I go to, right, doesn't mean I've uh, forsaken the Lord. And, uh, but, yeah, but you ever seen that happen in churches, right? Uh, and if I ever see you all do that, you know, I'm going to pull your card, right? Put you in. Uh, I was, was going to say, I'm going to put you on the back row, but back row is already full. So, you know, we'll have to put you somewhere else. Right. So <laughs> we'll put you on the front row. That's what we'll do. We'll put you on the front row. That'll teach you all right. Uh, and so that'll show you. Uh, but um, so I was and this was after. Um, uh, let's see. Was this after my pastor had died? I think it was just before my pastor died. Uh, he wasn't uh, he wasn't able to to come to the services anymore. So we were filling in for him. So I was happened to fill in for him on a Wednesday night. And I was preaching about love and mercy. Uh, and, and I said, you know, now I had been in a church for 20 years. I knew everybody in the church, you know, grew up in the church spiritually. And, uh, and, um, and so, you know, in a sense, I had a right to say these things. I knew the people. I knew the church. I knew what we were doing. And I said, you know, uh, uh, we need to walk more in love and mercy in the church. I said, when people leave, we, we forsake them. And we, we talk about them. And we gossip about them. We do. <clears throat> I, I, I remember... More than once, someone said, oh, did you see so-and-so? Oh, you know, they look so old. You know, they left the church, they look so old. And then someone else would pipe in, well, that's what sin will do to you. Like, what do you, you don't know anything about what's going on in a person's life. You completely judge them. You don't know anything about them, right? I mean, maybe the dog just died. You don't know, right? But you're to- sitting there, ju- that's what sin will do to them. That's what sin will do to them. And, you know, <clears throat> and, so I, and so I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to tell them, hey, we need to walk in love and mercy. Just because someone leaves the church, we don't have to do that to them, you know. And right in the middle of the service, somebody stood up, second row. Y'all, you second row people, you know, you're, you're shifty, right? You got to watch you. So second row stood up and said, stood up and said, well, we don't do that. You're doing it literally right now. I mean, right, I'm preaching love and mercy and you're mad at me because I'm preaching love and mercy. You're, you're exactly doing what I said that we don't. That's what you, you're, you're doing exactly what you said you don't do. Judging people uh, and, and condemning people. Uh, and of course, you know, we eventually left the church as the Lord instructed us. You know who was the first one to stop talking to us? The man on the second row who stood up and said, well, we, we don't do that. And so he'll have to stand before the Lord Jesus. Someday the Lord Jesus can, hey, uh, did you say that? Yeah. Well, what would you do when he left? Ah, uh, ah. Uh, can we not talk about that, Lord? Right. Uh, uh, and so, see, there should be mourning. When, when, the, when the church as a whole is, is moved away from the plan of God, our hearts should grieve and long to go back. To, we should long to go back to the Lord, amen, and walk in love. And, you know, churches that walk in love uh, uh, should be wonderful churches, right? Every church should be a wonderful church. People come in and, and accept them, and no matter what their, 
what their clothes are, or what their background is, or what their bank account looks like, or anything, right? Uh, and um, uh, but sometimes we don't do that. Uh, one thing I used to do when I, I used to do adult Sunday school class, and like I said, I've been in church for many many years, and I knew when people leave, you know, you know, hex on them, uh, and um, and so what I would do is I'd mention certain people's names on on purpose dur- during the service, right? I'd say, oh, you remember so-and-so? And I'd call their name out. And I would do that because, you know, you get uh, every now and then you get three or four people in a crowd go <sighs> just by mentioning their name. And, and I would do that to help them to see, you know, just by mentioning if, if that's your response when I mention their name, then you're out of the will of God. You are not walking in love. You are not walking the way that the Lord wants us to walk. And it should be mourning. Uh, when you realize that, well, Lord, my attitude was was hex on them when just by mentioning their name, I need to change. I should mourn because that was my response when they mentioned that person's name instead of, yeah, I hope they, you know, I hope they get it twice, you know, whatever it is. And uh, and so Jesus said, if we can get to that point in our hearts where we mourn uh, and it, so it's not just in, in the death of a loved one, but it's also any time that the Lord's will is not uh, operating in our lives. There's a lot of mourning that should happen in our individual lives. When we get the revelation that, Lord, I'm so far from you. Uh, I need to be more like you. I need to talk more like you. I need to act more like you. When the Lord reveals that to us, see, it should cause that mourning in our lives to, to that grief and that anguish of, Lord, I, I, I need to change. I need, a person that, I need to be the person that you want me to be. Uh, and that, that's a good thing. And Jesus said, if you'll do that, he said, you'll be comforted. Uh, and that word comforted is similar to the word uh, of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, because one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is he's the comforter. Right. Uh, and, and one of the definitions of comfort is is to to, to uh, sit up beside you. You ever felt bad and just kind of maybe sad or something and somebody sat down beside you and just encouraged you? Uh, it, you know, it means a lot. Right. Well, he said, He'll, I'll do that. He said, if you if you'll mourn for your own life, what you're doing. He said, I'll, I'll come and sit beside you. He's not going to come and kick you in the head and, and bury you in the backyard. He's going to come sit down beside you. You know, it, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Uh, and, and that's really uh, a good thing, right? Uh, because in this life, there will be times and seasons when you don't do that, when you don't follow God's will, when you don't do the best job you can do. Uh, and the Spirit of God will, as His ministry is, reveal that to you. Hey, you, you slacked up right there. Hey, what you did right there, out of line. Uh, and, and that should cause us to mourn that, Lord, I, I'm so sorry that I did that to you. I'm so sorry that I, I grieved your spirit. I'm so sorry that I allowed my flesh to rule and reign in my life uh, to, the, to your detriment and, and to even to the harm of others. You know, worst thing in, in the world I could have imagined, I could imagine as a minister is to, uh, as a pastor, is to hurt somebody. Uh, and I've been accused of terrible things but I, I can, with all sincerity, I can, I've never intentionally hurt anybody. Uh, not as long as I've been a pastor, you know, not, uh, not in this role as a pastor. Uh, and and uh, that may not be the opinion that everybody shares. But I know in my heart, what, you know, that's a sincere statement. Uh, and I never will. Uh, and that's one, you know, and part of it because of, of the things that Chris and I went through for over many years. We're very sensitive to that about making sure that we don't harm people. No, we don't put up a foolishness and sometimes people... Want to be fool, uh, act foolish, and say things that are unkind, and you know, uh, you know, we won't put up with that kind of stuff. Uh, and they may not like how we how we respond, but our intention is never to harm or to hurt anybody. Uh, and so, uh, and so, you know, this is this is an interesting uh, beatitude here. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You know, if you'll mourn, 
at the appropriate times. Uh, the, uh, and, and really, I believe that the morning here is that, uh, Lord, we have not done what you've asked us to do. Uh, in whatever area the, the Spirit of God reveals to you, right? So it's not to beat us up uh, because are any of us perfect yet? No, none of us perfect yet. But the Spirit of God as a normal part of your life will, will reveal areas to you that you need to work on. Uh, and in those times when you see how far, because there's been times, and, and I'll tell you this and we'll go, there have been times when I've told the Lord, I'll read a verse. And I'll just tell the Lord, I said, Lord, I am so far from that verse. You know, whatever the verse is, Lord, I'm, and, and, and the reason I say that is because he reveals to me how far I am from that verse. Uh, and so I could just be depressed and beat myself up. That doesn't help anything. But I, but I get that revelation oftentimes. Read the word. And I say, Lord, I am so far from this verse. You know, whatever the verse is. Uh, and, and then so I'll, I'll just start talking to him. Lord, how can we get, how can we get closer? Because I always bring him on on it, right? Because he's going to comfort me in that. And he's going to help me get to where I want to be. Because I want to be that verse. Whatever the verse is, I want to be that thing. Uh, is, Lord, how are we going to get there? But but this the knowledge, knowing that, you know, because my desire is to is to serve the Lord, the master, the great one in heaven. My desire is to do that. Sometimes I don't. Uh, and not all you all perfect. Right. So we're, I'm only talking about me. Right. None of you all do this. Right. Uh, but uh, but but Jesus thought enough about this to make this the second most important beatitude right here. Blessed are they that mourn uh, and. You know, to be honest, uh, there, uh, there ought to be a lot more mourning in the church, especially right now as a whole. I don't mean just this particular church, but as a whole, I mean, I mourn for the church sometimes when I see the foolishness of things that we say and do and prioritize and things that are just don't even matter at all. People get mad about things and you know, foolish things, and, and, and um, there should be mourning. You know, and, uh, one of the things that amazes me about uh, how often people can be so disrespectful to a minister not just to me, but to any minister. Uh, and and I, I, sometimes I'm amazed at how rude people can be to the pastor, you know. Uh, and just, you know, we've only been a pastor, what, 14 years or so. You, you'd be amazed at how often, uh, well, maybe not how often, but how unkind people can be towards us. Uh, and, and, and we refuse to get bitter, get mad, oh, you know, they're all that way. No, it's, it's one in a hundred, one in a thousand sometimes even, you know. But they sure can't make up. For, for the other 999 sometimes. Yes. I mean, so I can't imagine talking to even a, a, a terrible human being the way that they've talked to us sometimes. And I think, how can they do that and not mourn, not, not go home and just, just collapse in a, in a puddle of, of tears knowing what they've said to another human being, much less to a minister of the gospel that has nothing but desire to, to be good to them. Uh, sometimes I wonder about people, amen? Uh, but... Uh, but when we mourn, see, on the back side of mourning, because we, we allow the revelation to, to get into our hearts about where we've missed it, the back side of that, the Lord said, I'll, I'll come sit beside you. I'm not going to kick you. To, I'm not kicking you to the curb. When I reveal that to you, I'm, not, I, I'm coming uh, when you allow that mourning to rise up in your heart, when you see where you could be, but you're not. Uh, I'm going to come sit beside you. That's a good thing, right? Uh, that means that, that he's only doing that because he cares about you. Amen. Uh, and so it's it's a good beatitude, but it's an it's an unusual one. Right. Because uh, anybody that's wanting to mourn, I love to mourn. Well, there's something wrong with you. Right? you know, nobody loves to mourn. Right. Nobody loves doing that. But it, but it can be a good thing. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Father, those times and seasons 
when, uh, when, we, when we see in our own hearts, Father, what we've done, what we've said, where we have been, uh, Father, the people that we associate with, whatever it is that you've revealed to us that we, we've just been wrong. Uh, Father, we will allow that mourning to rise up in our hearts, uh, that grief, that anguish, Father, that lamenting of, Lord, we could have done better, we should have done better, uh, and to declare in our lives, Father, we will do better. And as we do that, Lord, we thank you that you're not saying those things to us to beat us up, to condemn us, but rather, Father, to show us that we can do better and we can be a better person and, and look more like you and talk more like you and live more like you. Father, there's nothing wrong with being a righteous person. There's nothing wrong with living a life free from sin. There's nothing wrong, Father, with living a, a life that is holy and precious, Father, to you. Uh, you desire it, Father, because the closer we are to you, Father, the, the greater victory we have in our lives in every area. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to uh, in those times and seasons and when you reveal and, and we mourn, Father, that we will mourn our own shortcomings. And Father, when we see uh, outside of our own lives, when your will is not being able to be completed in the earth, Father, we will mourn in those times too and pray for those circumstances. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, we didn't even get to talking about how the earth, moan, you know, earth moans, you know, or mourns. You know, the earth mourns. Uh, uh, the Bible talks about the earth groaning and travailing and, and mourning uh, and because it's part of creation. Uh, and uh, we'll see if we get to that next week or not. Of course, next week is Easter, so uh, we'll see whatever the Lord wants us to do with that. But um, praise God, we can get there. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, the, you know, this particular beatitude is a little sobering, but, uh, you know, I think it's a really good one, though, in a sense, because uh, some people avoid mourning at all costs. Right. And, and so uh, 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 our friend uh, Lester Summerall's famous line, you know, he's 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 uh, always amazed at the that the extent that people will go to uh, and put others through to avoid five minutes of soul cleansing shame. Uh, and so <laughs> we just, uh, it's just sometimes you, you got to mourn it out, you know, and and, uh, and if you do, the Lord will comfort you. Amen. And so let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Uh, and um, we appreciate your faithfulness and giving. Amen. He's good to us. Uh, he blesses us. He's given us uh, good jobs and, and good income. Uh, and, um, and and even in our society, you know, we have such a blessing with uh, even with uh, government capabilities to help us, to assist us. You know, I, I count those as mercies, amen. amen. Uh, and so my desire, my, my goal is for the Lord to prosper all of us as a, as a church family, amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give today. It's an honor, Father, to give into your kingdom. And Father, we thank you that as we sow seed into your kingdom, Father, that you'll use that seed to complete your plan and vision. Uh, Father, for this ministry and this church, and Lord, we thank you that because we're faithful to give, that, that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into our bosom. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. So um, let's see. So next, uh, well, of course, uh, we'll have healing school today here at, the, the, at the, this building. And then we'll have a Wednesday night church here. And um, it's looking like it's going to be probably two weeks. So maybe... The next two Sundays, is my guess, will be here. I'm hoping it's not going to get extended much beyond that. Um, but um, 
we'll be all right anyway, right? Uh, it's not exactly that far around here, but uh, the facility's nice, you know, and so it's, it's working out fine for us. We've got electricity. Of course, Wednesday, right? If you were here Wednesday, the power went out five minutes before service. And so we preached in the dark for an hour, you know, and, and then when it got too dark to see the, the Bible verses, we, we went home. So, uh, but uh, uh, that what it was. So, um, uh, and uh, so, yeah, we'll be here uh, this afternoon, Wednesday. And, uh, and if you want to, we'll head up to the church here and go see the progress. Oh, yeah, we got, where are they at? In the back. So in the back, there's, there's eggs. Okay, yeah, so the, the, the deal is if you want to take some eggs, and there's some, probably some bags back there too, take some eggs and fill them up for the kids, and then uh, bring them back on Sunday, and, uh, and then we'll hide them that way. And that keeps, uh, what is there, 520 eggs in there, right? Yeah, she counted all five. I don't know why she counted them, but uh, she counted them. So there's 520 eggs. So that's on average. So I'd, uh, what's that? Yeah, yeah, four kids. Yeah, so you got to invite more kids, right? So otherwise, it's 125 egg per child on average, right? And so, um, yeah, so get, grab some eggs back there and uh, bring them back next Sunday. And uh, it's always fun watching the kids go out there, you know, and, and uh, we're not trying to make it hard for them to find it, you know. Don't bring a shovel and bury it or anything like that. We don't want, we're not trying to make it hard, right? We want to make it easy. So, all right, um, uh, well, that's it. So we'll go, we'll close it down and we'll go see the other building real quick.